Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to the amazing book of John, John's Gospel, chapter 12 today, starting in verse 9. John chapter 12, starting in verse 9. You recall that Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and there's just been a dinner party two weeks ago. We looked at that. And now in verse 9, the plot thickens. John 12, 9, we read this. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, a large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who, is, who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb had raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. 
Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and there has just been a celebration, a dinner party at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house in honor of Jesus and Lazarus, a dead man who is now alive. (coughs) And now there is growing opposition against Jesus from the religious establishment of the day. And now Jesus, through his actions and his teaching, is stepping on toes religiously, ideologically, and politically. In the midst of all this, we come to this remarkable phrase in verse 28 where Jesus prays out loud in front of everyone, Father, glorify your name. All week I have thought about the possible meaning of that phrase. What does it mean to glorify God's name? Well, can I tell you a story about one of my daughters? As I so often do. Now, mind you, all my daughters are awesome. I've been very blessed with three wonderful daughters who all excel in their brilliance and their beauty, and not just outward beauty, but they all excel in their inward beauty of character, too. And it's no surprise to me that they take after their mother and their brilliance and their beauty. Me, not so much. But for a moment, I need to single out one of my daughters based on what happened in the spring of 2013 We were living in Budapest, Hungary at the time, and my middle daughter, Abby, was all set to graduate from the International Christian School of Budapest. As most schools have in the spring, Kath and I attended the spring awards program just a week or so before graduation. We knew Abby had done pretty well in her studies, so we chose to sit near the front of the school gymnasium so we could get a good picture of her as she was called up front uh, for any type of an award. Now, this was an international Christian school with about 100 students who were from all over the world. They were all incredible students in their own right, kids from England, China, Korea, Hungary. So the program begins, and first off are all the sports awards. And right away, Abby gets called up front and is presented the Coach's Award for Volleyball. We're like, well, that's nice. That's pretty cool. And then she was called up front again for the most improved player for basketball. We're like, well, that's pretty cool too. Then she received the most valuable player award for track. At this point, I'm thinking, wow, this is going very well. Then the academic awards were presented. She was first called up front again for the overall award for academic achievement from the Association of Christian Schools International. Then she was called up again to receive the overall award in biblical studies a daughter after my own heart. And then she was called up again to receive the honor for being the class valedictorian. But then, to top it all off, she was called up front one last time to receive the overall Christian Character Award in humility. (laughs) By now, it was a good thing that I was sitting near the front and no one was sitting in front of me. Because I was so filled with pride, the buttons on my shirt were about to pop off in every direction. And Kath and I were blown away. That night, Abby honored us with her incredible performance as a student and as an athlete. 
In a way, as she kept being called up to the front, she honored our family name as our family name was called again and again in this award ceremony. She literally brought glory to our family name each time she was called up front. Now, the point is this. If only we could bring glory to God's name in a similar way, through how we walk with him in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words, and in our Christ-like character, based on who our God is and what he has done for us. Just like my daughter Abby honored us that night, we need to live in a way that brings honor to our Heavenly Father. But the unfortunate reality for many of us is that we find it impossible to bring glory to God when we are so focused on bringing glory to ourselves. So the question this morning is, how can we move the focus from ourselves and choose to rightly focus bringing honor and glory to God's name as Jesus himself was seeking to do. What would that look like in your life? The answers can be found in the passage before us. Before we unpack this passage, let's ask for God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just have a moment here to look to your word. And Lord, we ask that you would move in our midst by the power of your spirit and open your truth to us in a meaningful way that we might not miss anything, knowing full well that there's no one here by accident, but by your sovereign hand, we are gathered here today for your purposes. So Lord, guide our hearts and our minds toward you, towards your word. Lord, we long to hear from you, not this speaker, but from you alone today. We pray this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning, amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here is the first truth. First of all, we bring glory to God when we demonstrate a changed life. In verse 9 through 11, notice what it says. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. You can't imagine a more changed life, a dead guy who now lives. We bring glory to God when we demonstrate a changed life, just as Lazarus did. How has your life been changed by Christ? First problem is, if your life hasn't been changed, then you're not going to have much of a witness. You're not going to have much of a story to tell. There's nothing for anybody to see. For Lazarus, he was dead, but now he was alive after encountering Jesus. All of us were dead in our sins prior to coming to Christ, And now we have been made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Something should have happened. When you gave your life to Christ, there should be a difference to such a degree that your life has been changed, transformed, Behold, everything has been made new, Scripture says. The old is past, and everything is new. One of our earlier church plants, we had a guy, his name was Jim. I think Jim's actually listening today. Hi, Jim. Jim came to Christ, and his life was so transformed. His friends, his co-workers, family, They were all coming to church to find out what happened to Jim. His life was so transformed and changed. It took up like three rows of pews just to contain his little entourage. A changed life, amazing. 
We bring glory to God when we demonstrate a changed life. How are you doing that? Are you doing it? Has your life been changed by him? But secondly today, we bring glory to God when we praise him for who he is. In verse 12, we read on, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. This is exactly the triumphal entry. We usually would read this passage and celebrate this on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter Sunday, right? But the question here is, are you living a life that is crying out to the world that Jesus is your king, that he is your savior? Hosanna, they cried out. Hosanna, save now, we pray. They're crying out before everyone, before God and everyone, they're crying out. Save now, we pray. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And so they worshiped in the streets as Jesus passed by, which was beautiful. When do you worship? When do you find time to worship? For a lot of Christians, well, when I come to church, that's where I do my worship. No, worship should be every day of your life. It should be all of life. Every day, every moment, you can be worshiping him through how you live, not just on Sundays, but throughout our entire lives. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Brad? How would I do that? How would I worship God in this way? Well, if you're married and how husbands love their wives, you worship and honor God. Wives, how you love your husbands, even when the relationship has grown stale and cold. As we love our kids, even when they are pushing the boundaries with us, or we choose to love our bosses when they offer inconsistent leadership, or our friends when they blow a confidence again. We can glorify God in all of these circumstances as we cry out to our King to come and save us. Praising Him out of thankful hearts, remembering who He is and what He has done for us. We bring glory to God when we demonstrate a changed life and when we praise Him for who He is. He is our God. He's the one who saves But thirdly, we can bring glory to God when we remember all that he has done for us. First of all here, the disciples remembered what was written about Jesus, you'll recall. In verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, it says, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Of course, we would do well, all of us, to read the Bible, to be able to remember what was written about Jesus in it. God's word has come to my rescue over and over again throughout the years. I hope that's the case for you. When everything's hitting the fan, I have turned to God's word for comfort, for consolation, for direction, for guidance. What have you done with God's word wonderful truths that come from these pages where we find that he's loved us with an everlasting love, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He will never leave us or forsake us. We are never alone. 
<laughs> Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians 12.10, for the sake of Christ then, Paul says, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These wonderful truths that if we just had access to them, maybe we could find our way through the difficulty that we're encountering. We can bring glory to God when we remember all that he has done for us, remembering what was written about Jesus. But secondly here, the crowd remembered what they saw about Jesus. Verse 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. They, had, they knew that he, these things were true about who Jesus was, these God sightings. I ask you, what have you seen God do in your own life? What has God shown you over the years? Again, time and time again, I... I've seen incredible pickles and difficulties that we've been in, whether things we brought on ourselves through horrible financial decisions or whatever, and God always sees us through it. I've seen God do amazing things over the years. Even pastorally, I've seen him save lives, literally. Restore marriages, men and women who've overcome substance abuse, men who've overcome pornography, there was one couple uh, down in Coldwater, Michigan. They were meth addicts. I saw God transform their life, and to this day, they're following Christ together, and their family was preserved by God's sheer grace. Christ saved them and gave them new lives through Forgotten Man Ministries as they were in jail for a long period of time. The crowd remembered what Jesus, what Jesus was about and the disciples remembered what was written about Jesus. But thirdly, the rest of the crowd remembered what they had heard about Jesus. Sometimes it's just through hearsay that we can make a difference. Look at verse 18. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. They didn't actually see it, but they heard about it. Maybe you're living your life in such a way where people are hearing about the transformation. They want to come talk to you and go, what's happened to you? What's your story? Perhaps, perhaps you haven't read the Bible yet or seen Jesus at work in your life, but you are hearing about him now. Look around. God is at work in some capacity in everyone's life here this morning. Start reading the scriptures. I've challenged all the elders in our congregation here to read the whole Bible through this year. Uh, by the way, shoot, just grab them one day and just say, hey, how you doing? Are you keeping up with your reading? And you, by the way, you're welcome to join us in that endeavor. Of course, you can't remember anything that you've never heard, right? When I read Scripture in my own quiet time, I love to be able to be in a position where I can read the Scriptures out loud so I can not just read it, but actually hear it, hear of it. The rest of the crowd remembered what they had heard about Jesus. The crowd remembered what they saw about Jesus. And the disciples remembered what was written about Jesus. But fourthly here, the Pharisees didn't remember anything about Jesus. Look at verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And I just want to go, dude, did you see that the dead guy lives? Did you see that the blind guy can see? Hello? 
Yeah, but they're all following him. Why, of course they are, because he's done amazing things. Wake up. Pharisees didn't remember anything about Jesus other than that they just wanted him to go away. They didn't remember that he had turned the water into wine, that he had cleansed the temple, or he had healed a lame man at Bethesda, or healed the blind man, or raised Lazarus from the dead. But we bring glory to God when we remember all that he has done for us, when we remember what we have heard about Jesus, and when we remember what we've seen him do. This is Jesus' amazing teaching here. Look what it says in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. By the way, I just love that question. Hey, we just want to see Jesus. Could, could we see Jesus? Is that your heart? I, would you just show us Jesus? Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. See, this is all about his receiving glory. I hope that this is your simple desire regarding Jesus this morning. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. By the way, he is all I have to show you. I have nothing more to show you other than him. But first of all here, we bring glory to God when we lay down our lives for others as we finally die to self. And this is Jesus' profound teaching to these Gentiles. In verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And you kind of go, what's with the agricultural discussion? Here Jesus gives this illustration from agriculture. Unless the seed dies and is buried, just as he died for us and put fruit in us, we need to do the same for others. The ultimate fruit you can produce is the changed lives of those around you. Those lives that have been changed as you have laid your life down, Jesus did for us. This, in fact, is called discipleship and how disciples are made. Jesus demonstrated the process of making disciples who make disciples. And he says to all of us, just as the Father sent me, I now send you to make disciples. But that starts with our dying to self. Yeah, but I got my own agenda. I got my own life. I got stuff I want to do. And Jesus says, no, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But secondly, we bring glory to God when we lay down our lives for others as we gladly pick up our cross. Whoever loves his life loses it. Don't miss that one. If you're trying to hang on to your life in the here and the now, you lose. And whoever hates life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, we understand this is hyperbole. God isn't saying, hey, I want you to hate your life. But by way of comparison, your love for God and his kingdom should so overshadow your desire for this world that it should look like it, you hate your life here, if you will. Being willing to lose our life so others can live. Can we live this way? Again, Jesus is not saying hate your life. Don't take care of yourself, but that's simply that the lives of others should be more important to us than our own as we pick up our cross and die to self. God promises eternal life to those who love Jesus in this way. But thirdly here, as we sacrificially follow him, 
We bring glory to God when we lay down our lives for others, as we finally die to self, as we gladly pick up our cross, and as we sacrificially follow him. That's what Jesus says in verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is all summed up by Jesus' words in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, there are just people who are just playing a game with that. No, I'm going to push on that. I'm going to try to do my own thing, and, and maybe I'll get Jesus too, but uh, you know, I'm really about me right here, right now. We've got a lot of young people who wrestle with this. They're not sure if the bargain works. Is it really worth following him? And I'm telling you, yes, it is. Wait, thank you for sitting up front. We have this idea, you know, the missionary, right? You know, here we had the Gilbertsons up here, the missionary. Look what they gave up to follow Christ. No, look what they just gained. They win because they trusted him. We who are holding on to this world, we're, we're the losers. That's what Jesus is saying. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I just want to be where he is. I just want to be honored by him. At the end of Matthew 16, 26, we see that through all this, we have the promise of his presence in our lives and the promise of his honor. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What a waste. I've seen it way too much. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Lastly today, a series of four questions that I have for you here. Fifthly, we bring glory to God when we become more like Jesus. The question here is, to what degree are you becoming more like Christ? was about. Look at verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. Jesus knows there's something on the horizon. Yeah, he just came in to Jerusalem with this triumphal entry. There's something that's meant for the crowd as they hear this phrase. In verse 32, he says, when I'm lifted up, it's as though the crowd goes, oh, lifted up. Oh, we know what that is. They knew to be lifted up meant to be crucified. How so? Let's read. Fourthly, lastly today, we bring glory to God when we become more like Jesus by becoming children of light. Verse 33, notice what it says. He said kind of death, he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? See, they knew. They knew what it meant. What do you mean lifted up? Only criminals get lifted up and hung on a tree. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? And by the way, who is this Son of Man? We find the crowd is still lost. So Jesus said to them, the light is coming. I'm sorry, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. That is the danger for all of us. We're so susceptible to being overcome by that which is dark, depressing, 
demeaning. You don't have to be. The law is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. Yeah, that's true. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. We need to become children of the light, sons and daughters of the light. And I ask you, is your light shining, or have you become a dim bulb? Or perhaps you've burnt out. Turn to Jesus and let him light you up as never before, that you may become sons of light. You know, with my daughter and all of her plaques and awards and everything, that's all nice and everything. But for me as her dad, it's way more important to me that my daughter honors Christ with how she lives. She continues to honor us as our daughter, but she honors her Savior as she leads her little family to follow after Jesus. That's way more important to Kathy and I. The accolades come and go, but a life lived for Christ is all that matters. Again, it's impossible for us, it's impossible for any of us to bring glory to God when we are so focused on bringing glory to ourselves. But by God's grace, we can overcome our selfish desire to promote ourselves by submitting to him in all things through the power of his spirit. We can actually bring glory to God by his sheer grace when we demonstrate a changed life when we praise him for who he is, when we remember all that he has done for us, when we lay down our lives for others, and as we become more like Jesus. Father, glorify your name. Would you please stand with me as we close our service? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you know the hearts before us and before me today. And Lord, you know where people are wrestling with these things. Lord, it's very easy for us to get caught up in this world and to, to listen to the voice of the world as the world calls to us. And we're intrigued by what it may offer us. But in the end, it ends up being an empty sack. It ends up being darkness loneliness, being outcast. Lord, we thank you that as we turn to you, the lights come on. And now we can live in such a way where we can really bring glory to your name in a real way by how we walk with you. Lord, that may, may that be the case for all of us here. That we wouldn't just talk about these things, but we'd actually live them in reality. Knowing full well that as we do, you will honor and uphold us and protect us, even from ourselves. So Lord, may that be the priority for us, that we would glorify your name through how we live, through how we demonstrate a changed life, our changed life. As we graciously call on you for 
your incredible forgiveness and grace as you change us and make us and mold us into something beautiful to such a degree that we're now lighting other people up for your glory. So Lord, help us to not just hear these things today, but to truly walk in them by your grace. We need your help to do this. We can't do this in our own strength. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to uh, urge us on and to give us the drive and energy to do so and to do well in these things. Lord, we thank you that we're not alone, but you're with us in all of this. And Lord, so we just want to give you all the praise. We want you to have all the glory. Thank you, Lord, for today. (laughs) Thank you for this study. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a beautiful rest of your day.